Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from January 9th by Brother Butch Strickland, titled, Recognizing Jesus' Authority. We're going to look at a passage of scripture in the book of Mark today, chapter 12, beginning with verse 41. And uh, uh, going to look at, at what Jesus did here and how we can learn a little bit more about him. And I'll explain that to you as, as, as we go on. Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in to the treasury more than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I know that two or three of you here probably have heard this story before. And uh, if you have, just listen again. Uh, There's a reason why you need to hear it twice. (laughs) But if you haven't heard it, I, I, I hope it means something to you today. It's just a personal experience that I had when I was in seminary. And we were in theology class one day, and the subject of the conversation that day was, is all theology Christology? And to get us started on that discussion, our professor asked us a question. He says, is there more to the character of God the Father than that which was revealed to us through his son, Jesus Christ? Now, there were some in the class that said, well, surely that has to be the case. Because we know that God the Father uh, is omnipresent, for instance. Uh, but Jesus, being in the flesh, uh, is limited to be in one place at one time. And others said, well, yeah, that's true. But there was one occasion on Jesus, in Jesus' life where he referring to himself and said, even the Son of Man which is in heaven, present tense. So was he, refer, was he revealing himself as being omnipresent at that particular time? Uh, there's a different translation to that, and so I'm not, I'm not sure exactly whether or not that's what he was saying or not, but that's the point that they were making, okay, on this side of the, of the, of the, of the discussion. There were others saying, yes, but again, because Jesus was in the flesh, uh, we know that he suffered the things of the flesh. For instance, a lot of times he expressed his hunger and his thirst, and the other group says, well, that's true, but every time he did that, his hunger and thirst were not satisfied by bread and water, but by doing the will of his Father. So could it be that he was revealing himself as completely self-sufficient, just as God the Father was self-sufficient? And the discussion continued along those lines. And, and, and we kind of settled in on three verses of Scripture in the New Testament that kind of give the in- indication that, yes, there is more, there is that the, the revelation that Jesus gave according to, uh, about the Father reveals that he himself was equal with the Father. And one of those, of course, is a very, very well-known passage of Scripture that we find in the book of John, uh, chapter 1. You can quote it along with me if you want. You can probably quote it better than I can. But it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then it goes on down there a little farther, and it says, in, and that, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh. That was the creator of all things. The word who was in the beginning. The word who was God became flesh and dwelt among us. And then there's the passage in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 1. Again, quote it with me if you want. Uh, maybe, in fact, you might have to help me with this one. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, the writer says, uh, God, who in sundry times and divers manners spoke unto our, our, our fathers through the prophets, has in these latter days spoken unto us through his Son, who is the express image of his person. He's just like God. Okay? And then there's that one powerful verse, uh, verse in the book of Colossians where Paul refers to Jesus, and he says that um, in him dwelt all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Okay, now those are pretty solid statements from the scriptures about the character of Jesus, aren't they? When I was in college, back up a little bit, I'm not finished with that story yet. So when I was in college, I was trying to get into a fraternity and it was a service fraternity and it was in a Baptist school. So there's a bunch of Baptist preachers in this service fraternity. And, but one thing that we had to do is we had to memorize a lot of information about the fraternity as well as about every active who was a part of the fraternity and any fact that they wanted us to memorize, okay? We had to know their birth date and where they were born and what they were majoring in, minoring in. We had to know all that about them. And then they would add one more thing just to make it more complicated, I think, to get into the fraternity. But one, several of them made us memorize verses of Scripture, and one of the guys made me memorize uh, Philippians 3.8. And not only did I memorize it, it became my life verse. It says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count it but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but having that righteousness which comes by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, that's my life verse, okay? And then I go to that class in theology, that theology class that day. Say, is there more to God the Father than what is revealed in Christ Jesus? And from that, uh, from that experience, I came to the conclusion that if I want to know God, the best way to do it is through his son, Jesus Christ. The only way to do it, by the way, is through his son, Jesus. And I wanted to know how I was going to accomplish that. So I began to pray, God, show me how I can know you better through your son, Jesus. And I had a, and right then at that particular time, I set a goal in my life uh, to read a gospel a week for the rest of my life with the express purpose of beginning to know Jesus better as he revealed the person of my God. Um, as I look at this passage of scripture, I want us to look at it from the standpoint of, of how Jesus reveals the character and heart and mind of God. And um, I ask myself, what was he doing there at that particular place at that particular time that I could learn from him? 
Jesus sat opposite the treasury, the Bible says. And one of the first things I want to, to, to recognize is the fact that that wasn't his place. He had no right to sit there. That was for the Lord of the, of the, of the treasury. That was for someone to observe and make sure everything went according to, to the laws and all that kind of stuff. Jesus didn't have a right to sit there. That was meant for someone else. But he took, the, 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 he took for granted the right to sit in the place where somebody else was supposed to be sitting. Hmm. So what does that tell me about Jesus? I get from that that uh, Jesus is the one who assumes authority, who exercises authority. He is the one who assumes the right to sit in that place. Now, let me illustrate it with another experience that Jesus, that we read about it in, in the scriptures that Jesus had. He was in the home of Simon the Pharisee. Now, that the Pharisee is important here, okay? He was in the home of Simon the Pharisee. And the lady comes in and begins to wash his feet with her tears and to dry his feet with her hair. And the Simon the Pharisee was thinking in his heart, Hmm, if this man was really a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman that is and not allow that to happen. But Jesus, knowing what was in his heart, says, Simon, I have something to tell you. I have something to say unto thee. The King James Version has, says it. He assumes the right to speak to a Pharisee. He assumes authority over the life of that Pharisee. You know, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I had an experience one time that taught me a little bit about that with my own father. Now, my father was not a gushy man. Is that a good word? Uh, he was not the, he's not the lovey-dovey type of person. He wouldn't get into intimate rela- conversations or anything like that. He, he was, you know, talked to me about sports or, or, or the weather or or the latest joke, he knew all the jokes. <laughs> you couldn't tell him one. Yeah, I've heard that before. But he, he, could, he could do those things. But to talk to you personally and intimately, uh, that just wasn't in his nature. So imagine my surprise when Pam and I left college to go spend the weekend with my parents with the, ex- with the express purpose of telling them that we were engaged. Uh, we did. We spent the weekend with them, and as we were about to leave to go back to school, my dad gets up out of his chair, walks over to the front door, pulls it open about halfway, and he says, Butch, come here, I got something to tell you. And he walks out on the front porch, and I'm going, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> it, really, it really freaked me out, because that just doesn't happen with my dad, you know. And it didn't happen really then either, because he had one thing to say, and he went back into the house. He said, Butch, if I was choosing for you, I, wouldn't have, I couldn't have done a better job. But you better treat her right or you'll answer to me. And he walked back into the house. I <laughs> thought that was kind of interesting. Dad, you're supposed to be on my side. You know? But he wasn't. He was on Pam's side. But I could never forget that moment when he said, Butch, come here. I have something to tell you. He assumed the right to speak into my life. And he had that right. He had that right. 
Jesus assumed the right to sit in a place that was not his. But that's not all that happened in Simon the Pharisee's life either. You remember the story again? Uh, Jesus knew what he was thinking, said to Simon, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he told him a story about a debtor who, or a, a man who had debtors. One owed it more than he could, you know, more than you can imagine. The other one owed very little, but he forgave all of their debts. And he asked the Pharisee, Simon, who do you think loved him more? And Simon said, I suppose the one who he forgave the most. And Jesus says, you have judged correctly. Jesus assumed the right to tell who? A Pharisee. That he had, made, he had judged correctly. Um, I'm going to read a verse to you right quick again in my favorite book in the Bible. Philippians chapter 1. And the, the Philippian church was, was Paul's favorite. He, uh, he seemed to love them more than all. As a matter of fact, he expresses it with talking about I, I, that he, he, he loved them with all of his insides, with all of his innards, with all, his, uh, with his, all of, that's the way they expressed it. They didn't say love with all your heart. They said, love you with all my bowels. <laughs> you know, that's how much I love you. And you know, if you think about it, have you ever heard the expression love sick? Well, that's kind, of, that's kind of where Paul was with the, with the Philippian church. And he, uh, it is, it's right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and the defense of the gospel, confirmation of the gospel, you are all particulars of my grace. And this I pray, and this is what Paul prayed for the people that were his precious loved ones. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve the things not that are good, not be able to, to decide what's good and bad, but that you may approve things that are excellent. So Paul prayed for the Philippian church that they would judge correctly. I pray that, that you might judge correctly. And who is he that decides whether or not we've judged correctly? The Apostle Paul, I mean, Jesus told the, the Pharisee, uh, you have judged correctly when you said that the one who was forgiven much would love him the most. But that's not all. He said something else to that Pharisee. He said, uh, you know, since I came into your home, you didn't wash my feet. And what's not said there in that passage, but it's certainly implied is, and you should have. You didn't kiss me. And you should have. It's just a normal part of our culture. It's something that we do to anyone. Uh, when I came into your house, um, you, uh, you didn't anoint my head with oil. And you should have. And this woman has, has washed my feet with her tears and anointed my feet. Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And again, what's implied there is yours aren't. And Jesus wasn't expecting too much from him, was he? He could have had a servant do it, and he didn't even do that. 
But he told the Pharisee, Pharisee, Simon, you've messed up this time, bud. This woman's sins are forgiven, though they be many. So Jesus, again, has that assumption that he's going to be the authority in our life. He's going to speak into our life where we are. He's going to be the one who assumes the right to speak into our life. And he certainly has that right because of his great love that he shed in our hearts. You remember the Sermon on the Mount? Six times Jesus repeats two phrases that indicate to us that he is now the authority. He says, you know, you guys, you've heard that it has been said, but I say unto you. You have heard that it has been said, not anymore, because I say unto you. You have heard that it has been said, but I say to you. You have heard that it's been said, but I say to you. You've heard that it has been said, but I say to you. You've heard that it's been said, but I say to you. Six times he used those two expressions. Assuming the right to speak into our life, especially when we're making wrong decisions and having wrong thoughts. He says, that's not true anymore because I say unto you. So who is the one? What is, who is Jesus? How has he revealed to us, to us the character of his father? By assuming the right to speak truth into our life. Another thing that he did to show, a little bit of, to, to show us a little bit of the character of his father, he was there to, to observe people. He sat in that chair, assuming the right to do so, but he sat there so he could watch. Um. He, uh, he watched, and because of what he, he sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury, and many rich people. Notice the word that's used there. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, I've been told, I haven't done a study on this, but I've been told that the, the, the things that you put your offerings in were not little brass plates about this big around, or wooden ones in this case. Uh, that they were big uh, receptacles. And to throw it in would be a a spectacle, okay? To show off a little bit about how much money you're giving. Um, But that's what the rich people were doing, throwing in large amounts. But then a poor widow came, and she didn't throw in, what does it say about her? But a poor widow came in and put in two very small Copper coins. Jesus was there to observe people. Um, You see in verse, uh, let me see here, verse 43. It says, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury, has put more into the treasury than all of the others. But look at that first part of that verse. Calling his disciples to him. He told them something. And this is just my, God forgive me if I'm adding to the scripture. I don't think I am today. But I, I'm, I think that this in the situation as we see it here, he was telling his disciples because he wanted them present when he said what he said. He, he said, uh, 
What did you guys see? What, what did you guys see? Did you see that lady putting in those two, those two coins? Did you notice that? Or were your, was your attention more on those guys who were throwing in fortunes into the treasury? What were you looking at? Did you observe anybody else? Was there anybody else that impressed you the way that they were giving or how much they were giving or all that kind of stuff? What did you observe? Then he said, truly, I tell you, this widow has put in more than anybody else. I think that one of the things that Jesus does is he just watches. He just watches. Uh, How many of you are Facebook fans? (laughs) Oh, now come on, admit it. (laughs) I agree with you, brother. Um, But there's one, there's this, this one, I guess it's a series of, of, uh, of videos that's kind of become popular on my Facebook all of a sudden, anyway. It might be because I watched one of them and then they just poured them on, you know. But it's about this kid that he, he's in a mall or a place where there's a lot of people and he finds somebody who's busy or looks a little bit concerned or whatever and he goes up to him and he says, what can I do to make you happy right now? And one lady says, well, uh, uh, some flowers would be nice. He says, give me five minutes. And he runs and gets buys some flowers and brings back to her. And and she's ecstatic. And he goes up to somebody else and says, what would make you happy right now? And they say, well, uh, how about some candy? Give me five minutes. And he'll run and buy a box of candy and bring it back. And, of course, the person is ecstatic again. Um, what can I do to make you happy? Well, my car just broke down, so we'll give me five minutes. He runs to a toy store and buys the guy a little car and gives it to him. <laughs> but you get my drift here. This guy, he's just looking for people to, to, to bless, to help, to give to. He's watching and observing as people look distraught, and, and he comes and says, what can I do to help make you happy? Boy, what, what, would the, what would the world be like if we as Christians did the same thing? If we looked and observed and watched and found people that were distraught or hurting or, or despondent or, or ignoring or, or, or sad, and we go and say, what can, what can I do to make you happy? And whatever they mention, we can take care of that. But let me say, the real happiness comes from Jesus. What would life be like if we as Christians observed people like Jesus observed people? It didn't matter who he was talking to. He knew what he was going to do, didn't he? Um, In... uh, in Luke, we read about what Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We read the stories, the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price, of the talents of the rich man and Lazarus. We read all about those stories, the, the treasures, the storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And um, 
even with Zacchaeus, as, after he met Jesus, makes the following statement. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated, any, cheated anyone, anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus' response was, today's salvation has come to this house. Whoever it was, whether it was the rich young ruler, whether it was a, a leader of the Pharisees, whether it was uh, someone who found a hidden treasure or, or, or the pearl of great price, or whether you had many talents or few talents, or if it was a rich man and Lazarus, Jesus watched and looked for an opportunity. Uh, even a short man in a tree. So, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Well, if we just look, if we would just look and observe and see what opportunities may open up for us to speak into a person's life about Jesus. Watch, you guys. Keep your eyes open. Plenty of opportunities. Plenty of opportunities. And finally, as, and, and as Jesus revealed himself along those ways, I think that, that God the Father is, is the same as Jesus as, as he observes what's going on here in this world and uh, acts accordingly. God is re revealed in his Son as one who observes. Disciples, what did you see? Man, did you see that guy who dumped that bag of stuff? In? <laughs> yeah, a bag of, bag of coins in the, in, in, the, in the treasury. Well, what about the lady who just put in two coins? Did you see her? But he also doesn't teach a lesson. Jesus also uh, sat opposite the treasury to, to teach a lesson. Now, guys, I'm about to tell you what... Uh, I imagine in my head happened that day. Now, it, doesn't, it didn't. It probably didn't. I don't know if it did or not. But my imagination is based on some passages of Scripture in the Old Testament. And we read over and over and over again that the standard of righteousness is how you treat two groups of people. And who are those two groups of people? Orphans and widows. A standard of righteousness. I'll know that you are a righteous person by the way you treat orphans and widows. Okay? That's the first principle of what I'm about to say that comes from my imagination, not from the scriptures. Okay? I want to make that clear. And I'm not adding to the scriptures. This is just my imagination. But that's not all I want us to look at. Uh, there's a passage of scripture, Sylvia, that uh, in the Old Testament that we read, and I know she knows this one because we quoted it to each other not too long ago, Christmas Day, I think it was, and it says this, I was a young man once, and now I'm old, but in all of these years, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Did you hear that? I was young and now I'm old, but in all those years, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Disciples, I want to teach you something here. You watch real careful. 
because this is a fulfillment of all that the Old Testament says about what we're supposed to be doing. And here's my impression of what Jesus did that day. This mine, you can throw it away if you want to, but this is what I think happened. Jesus walked over to one of those big brass bowls of money, and he picked it up. And he walked over to the lady and said, Lady, do you have somebody who can carry this home for you? Disciples, you guys do it. Take this home. This, this belongs to her. All of that money that was cast into the treasury was hers. And it was necessary that it be that way because of this. Verse 44. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in the only toy they had. <laughs> she put in everything she had. As a matter of fact, it goes on to say, doesn't it? All she had to live on. In all of my years, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That being true, Jesus took the treasury money and filled her pockets full with it. My imagination. Okay, just my imagination. But it's based on those Old Testament passages where it talks about how important it is to take care of widows and orphans. Um... What do you know more about Jesus now than you did when you walked in here today? As he reveals the character of his father to us, what have you learned about him today? Who is he to you? And what difference is it going to make? Let me encourage you that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That's what they're going to put on my tombstone. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.